Today we're continuing the Game Club series by discussing Shadow Point, a really neat puzzle game that on the surface looks like it's about lights and shadows, but very quickly we learn there's a lot more to it. Hello and welcome to Headmounted Destinations, a podcast about virtual reality. We provide our perspective as game developers and provide a peek behind the curtain for anyone who's interested in how VR games are made. I'm Matt. I'm a gameplay programmer. And I'm Carlos. I'm a level designer. Today we're talking about Shadow Point. We both played the game. We're going to do an overview review where we talk broadly about the game and then we're going to jump into specifics that we thought stood out in the game. Shadow Point is a story-driven puzzle game that will have you manipulating gravity, uh, playing with your own reflection, walking on walls, and peering through magical lenses to reveal alternate realities. It weaves together a story that's about inner fantasies and magical worlds, as well as loss and the progress of time and how that affects relationships. Carlos, what did you think of Shadow Point? I thought Shadow Point was a fun game that I slept on for a little too long. I don't know why, but maybe it was the thumbnail art, or maybe I just wasn't in the mood for a puzzle game, but I kind of like put this one off for a while as in buying it. And I'm really glad that we did this game club initiative that finally pushed me to try Shadow Point at some point. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the mechanics were really cool. Uh, I really enjoyed the like jumping between realms. Like that's something that I always find to be fun and a little more engaging in a VR medium than say like a traditional game console type thing. Like if we're playing Skylanders, I'm not all too impressed that I'm like jumping between worlds and stuff. But when I have the headset on, and suddenly I put like a hula hoop over my head and then drop it. And as the hula hoop falls over my body, I like it in live real time. I see like my vision go from like a beautiful blue sunny sky to suddenly like future times, like decrepit, everything's decayed, gray skies. Like I've changed the worlds. That's so much more powerful in VR. Yeah. And the fact that they do it with your perspective, uh, I think... Well, they, they do that a lot, right? It's like there's doorways that you can walk through and you're now you're in another space or there's the hula hoop that when you look through it, you're looking into another space. And if you move your head through it, then you're in the other space. Uh, they'll do things where they'll, they'll like remove stuff while you're not looking at it or like change scenery while you're looking away. And I think all of that play with your perspective. Yeah, it feels really weird and, and mystical when it's in VR. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully we haven't already lost the listener because I feel like we might have <laughs> like front loaded like too much stuff. All these things that we're mentioning is the big variety of different mechanics and interactions that you'll be doing throughout your adventure. And I think that that stuff is great. I agree. Let's take three steps back and explain how the game unfolds. So we start the game in kind of like the real world, and we know that there's a mystery. Like we hear a narration of of a dude that's on the search for like a missing child. I think it was maybe his sister. And there's like a bunch of people that end up going missing whenever they go to the Shadow Point Observatory, which is like this now condemned, closed off, like one-way ticket <laughs> type spooky house on Haunted Hill Observatory. and 
that's that's kind of the opening of it. It's like you don't you don't know what's going on, but basically there's like this this beckoning voice or this feeling that's telling you to go to the tower so that you could help find this lost girl and maybe solve the mystery of a lot of missing people's cases. And things start to get a little weird from there. <laughs> yeah, there's these machines that open portals to other dimensions, I guess. And each time you go through one of these portals, this other magical realm uh, you do a set of puzzles and then return back to the observatory and you sort of slowly unfold the mystery and the story um, yeah. you're actually repeatedly returning to this world but jumping through time each time you visit it and there's a, a character there that you meet each time and she's aging and getting progressively more angry at you for not not saving her yeah, like so the big the big thing there is like you basically have a hub and spoke world setup where the Shadow Point Observatory is very clearly your hub aka Mario's castle from Mario 64 and almost quite literally like the paintings these portals which just appear in the wall once you trigger the machine like you just jump through it not even jump like you walk through it and that's something i want to like commend the game and the developers on is like making these transitions so smooth because like i said with the mario thing typically we would get a loading screen right after we jump into the painting so that we could play mm -hmm. a level here you just walk through the painting there's no loading screen there is not really even any hitches like you just it's just part of a continuous world and the reason why that's like really breathtaking in vr for my experience is it makes everything feel so seamless like i when i walked when i saw the portal open for the first time i was like wow that's a pretty cool effect and then i was able to like stick my body halfway through it like you know if you're going for a very deep bow or something like that like i i would do that and like just stick my head through it and be like oh wow like i'm looking around and i'm seeing everything but also i could very easily like turn my head and see the observatory there so like that transitional smoothness is so nice. And they do that later on with a few of the mechanics that we've already mentioned. But I think that is just like really great tech and a really good experience booster. It's a good point. Like it would have been so easy for them to not do that. And just you select the new world on a menu loading screen. Now you're there. Um, but it just they went the extra step there. I guess because they already had the tech of moving through portals, so it wasn't shouldn't have been that hard to slap that in. Yeah, I mean, as long as you have the existing tech, sure. I'm. I just think of other games like uh, To the Top at the very least. Uh, I know there's maybe like VR Chat as well. Uh, a variety of these VR games that will use kind of teleportation i don't know what we call that like when you walk through a portal and it just kind of seamlessly because it is kind of teleportation but it feels like non-euclidean space that's the strong thing you know mm -hmm. like like the door that is just standing by its lonesome at the beginning of asgard's wrath but then you open it and suddenly there's a gigantic tavern inside of it and you like try to look around the door and you're like this is still a flat door but there's a whole tavern and that's cool um in to the top we don't get that kind of cool, smooth experience. Like, much like the lab, you get this, like, bubble 
right? That has a destination on it and you could hold it in your hand. And the idea is to either like enlarge it enough that it envelops you or to like put your face in it so that it like warps you to that world. But visually, I think what we're expecting when we see that type of thing is for that smooth transition where like, okay, we spread the bubble and the bubble it covers us and maybe like there's like a, a pop of water splash and, and you know, it perfectly smoothly reveals the world with that pop. Uh, or if I put my face into this like transportation orb, like as I'm pushing the orb into my face, the locale should become more and more real and like scale to the proper space. But in both those titles, there's a loading screen. Like they are, they both transition into a loading screen and to finally, you know, see that not happen here just made me appreciate it all the more. First, we should cover briefly how the mechanics expand in this game from the beginning out to the end. Yes, I agree. Let's focus on the mechanics for a bit. I already mentioned that we get to this observatory, we're trying to find a mystery, we don't know anything supernatural, and then the first thing we see are that there are portals that allow us to go to different realms or potentially different parts of the level. Yeah, we go through the portal and then the first set of puzzles are all based around shadow, which makes sense, like shadow point, you're naming the game mm -hmm. with like the word shadow in it and then like of course oh, okay this is a game that is mostly going to use light and shadow puzzles at least that's what i was thinking so you know you've got lanterns that are on pillars that are shining a light at a target and you have to find the correct object and and the correct position and orientation for it to fill out an outline and then it fills up and you've solved the puzzle and you have to go through and for each of these targets on a wall, figure out a way to fill in the outline with a shadow right. from an object or multiple objects, or maybe you have to turn a lantern, position the lantern in the correct place. You know, it starts expanding on this mechanic of casting a shadow onto a surface to fill in an outline. And as you would expect in a puzzle game, it gets more and more complicated. I will say, yeah, out of Everything in the game, you know, I didn't expect it to go so far with introducing so many mechanics, but I, I did feel like the shadow casting puzzles were simul simultaneously some of the most compelling and some of the least compelling puzzles in the game. Would you say least compelling or most frustrating? Definitely not most frustrating. Okay. Um, they're like, to your point about being frustrating, there was a large degree of fiddliness mm -hmm. where you've figured it out in your head you know that you have the correct answer but you need to get it to fill in the outline exactly and you're just like moving your hand trying to get it to fill in i in terms of least compelling mm -hmm. a lot of them were pretty trivial like it was like oh, okay this object here i get it but yeah. in terms of most compelling i really liked the composing a larger shape out of smaller objects almost like uh shadow puppets where You've got, you know, oh, this is like a head of a dragon with teeth, but then like that you make the teeth out of something that's held really close to the screen and the head out of something else that's held very close to the light so that they're different sizes. Yeah, like it's like, oh, my lantern's going to be the body of the dragon. A broken plate is going to be like the, the sharp teeth and uh, somehow a golf club is also in there, like projecting some sort of part of the of the outline. and. Unfortunately, those are just like generally a better use case in comparison to the puzzles where you need to hold the object yourself because of that fiddliness that you mentioned previously. 
I don't normally have like shaky hands or or anything like that, but I felt like I had some sort of problem as yeah. I was doing like a fair number of these puzzles. And I don't know if it's because like the shape was complex or the trigger used to like locate where the objects being held and how how much margin for error there is within that. But it did make me think from an accessibility standpoint, like if my if my grandma who has like very shaky hands like tries holding the Oculus Quest controller and saying like oh let me put this lantern into the lantern slot and hold it there you know mm-hmm. is she going to end up spending like three times longer trying to activate this trigger than I am most like because of the fact that like she does not have that steady grip that I would have or someone else younger would have yeah, for sure. The, one of the huge things that I think they're lacking is any amount of smoothing. This is something that's super common in VR games is, you know, if you just use the raw position of the hand of the controller, it, there's going to be a lot of shake just from the natural shake of someone's hand from the measurement error of the device trying to find the controller in space. There's just a lot of shake. And so you can put smoothing on that using any number of techniques but it really comes down to just like if it wobbles back and forth slightly you just use the average over a certain amount of time and they don't do that there there clearly was some leniency in where you had to put the thing in order to to get it to complete the puzzle but they definitely could have expanded that zone so that like if you're just roughly in the right position maybe it it snaps the object in it's something they could have fixed pretty easily is what i'm trying to say yeah, I can see where you're coming from, and I, I agree with that. Like, I'm sort of thinking of maybe Red Matter, potentially Half-Life Alex, and, like, maybe some other games. But I prefer when I have my hand on something, and it's like, okay, this is clearly the key object. I know I need to put it in a very clear orientation, something like that. I prefer when it when the game is just like, oh, you're kind of within this, like, fairly medium to large buffer space we know what you're trying to do and then it just like tweens whatever you're intending to do into into the actual slot you know oh yeah half-life alex does that so much where it's like even if you're a couple feet away from a slot it'll take the object away from you and move it in yeah which i'm 50 50 on that that. yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's very much a like almost like a classic resident evil thing honestly like you know how you would approach like here's the square socket okay now i hit a button and suddenly i'm in an interface and i select the crank and now i don't see the resident evil character putting the crank in it's just like telekinetically slotting into there and things like that like that i sort of view that the same way as i view the half-life alex you know taking that item from you so soon i definitely my own personal design taste and player taste would be to have you basically do like 95 to 98 percent of the the full design intent and then let the game auto magically handle the last five or so percent yeah and not to go on too much of a tangent but Two, two things that I think they could have done in Half-Life Alex to make that slightly better and less immersion breaking was only have it happen when you let go, right? Yeah. So instead of, oh, I got close enough, it takes it out of my hand. Be like, the player has to decide to release it in this slot. And the other thing they could have done was preserve any velocity you have on the object when it grabs it 
So it doesn't like stop and then start again, but it continues with whatever speed you were moving it at just to give the player uh, feel like they have a little bit more control over the object. Yeah, I agree. All right. End tangent. Back to <laughs> Shadow Point. Yeah, red matter. You brought up red matter as a as a point of comparison. The other po- point of comparison I thought of was the room VR as as being a similar ish puzzle game. I would really like to go in on why Shadow Point is very similar to both those games, but then not really nailing. I, in my opinion, uh, not really nailing the puzzle feel or the sort of holistic connectivity puzzle feel that those two other games have. Hmm. So with Shadow Point and Red Matter, what I was noticing to a fair degree was that Shadow Point felt like Portal in the sense that I was always in a puzzle chamber. It very often didn't feel like the puzzles that I was doing were realistically changing the world and progressing me, whereas it, and or integrated into the world. A, a fair number of them are like in, integrated with like the using of statues and stuff like that. But with red matter, you know, to juxtapose it to red matter, all the puzzles in red matter are like really mechanically, you know, architecturally engineering wise are integrated into the space base and everything you're doing is actually functionally progressing your tale this is a fantastical world sure but there's no in my experience there seems to be no thought to how the fantasy works and i'm all for just you know adventure fantasy and stuff like that but this game shadow point would have gotten a lot more kudos from me if i had seen the magic actually sort of like mechanically opening doors for me and like understand like how is this actually like getting me further the way i can understand in red matter oh i'm getting further because i opened up this pod by moving a battery to here putting in this pattern getting this laser to go there or maybe it simply like powers up this heavy bulk door that is now going to open whereas in shadow point that's not really the case of like logic flow that you get in shadow point where it is much more like oh okay i have put these different objects and made the shadow look the same and now the moon icon is turning into a white ball and the white ball is going to this slab next to the door and i know if the slab fills up with three the door opens and like granted that is some sequence of like magic engineering going on i guess but it just also felt very like arbitrary and again maybe this is just me being a bit of a stickler but the fantasy was very just okay we're gonna just excuse everything and not have to explain it like the focus here is just making the puzzles making them fun but they weren't really integrated into the environments themselves which might sound very weird for a game that's all about shadows on a wall and stuff like that I take your point about it feeling like a test chamber and not being integrated. I don't know if I would hold that up as like particularly important. For for me the strongest comparison game is actually Braid. Okay. Um which like, you know, classic puzzle game, very very similar I felt in the the there's sort of a hub and you're going into these worlds and each world revolves around a different mechanic. The mechanics don't necessarily mesh together. Some of them are sort of one-off. 
there's a ongoing narrative, but it's very like loose and metaphorical to a degree. Um, and then there's like an end point. There, there's an end game that ties it all together. And then sort of these uh, optional puzzles sprinkled throughout the game. Like there, it's very similar in its structure and the way that it uses and explores its mechanics. And I think it's fine for a game to just be abstract and just sort of present puzzles in like a weird void that doesn't feel grounded as long as your puzzles are really strong. I do think the void could have a little more life, though. <laughs> kind of maybe super random thought that's not connected to the mechanics at all. I really did like the fantasy-ish world, but I felt like outside of the bird that like swooped in from time to time, like the world was kind of just empty. Yeah, the world did feel very empty, but I think the reason that was that feels problematic is because you spend too long in each area and there's a lot of tiring elements like there's a lot of just like navigating around with smooth locomotion or, or teleporting yeah. or whatever that's very boring he's like spaces are almost too big and that also contributes to the feeling empty and uh, yeah and just like every puzzle i felt or almost every puzzle there was a huge lag time between me figuring it out mentally and then executing on it. It just took a lot of effort to execute on an idea of how to solve the puzzle. It's like, okay, I got to grab this thing, move it over here, go through this portal, grab it over here, move it over there. And it's just like, yeah. And that's, every step of that is wearing you down. Yeah. It's great that you call that out because that is where I felt that shadow point could have taken a lot of notes from the room VR. Yeah, there's too much moving around to accomplish these puzzles. I wouldn't say all the time, but probably by and large. If I were to play a Shadow Point 2, I would absolutely want there to be some sort of condensing or principle of like utilizing every square inch of like a small environment to yeah. still do some of these like really cool puzzles. Um, because like the room VR, it hits its tiring points way further into an experience at least for me compared to other games because it does the puzzle stations so well and you are typically if you imagine it's like three balls of yarn in one room you're focusing on one ball of yarn which is the puzzle for a good amount of time and then you get a component that takes it to the other ball of yarn whereas in shadow point they do that a little bit but you've already smooth locomoted across like four football field lengths just to do like three puzzles and that does get very like visually and physically tiring because you may be standing up the entire time you're playing this and nothing's being asked to be done with your your legs like no ducking no nothing like that no shifting around and you're kind of just always looking like either up down you don't maybe to the sides like there's not even much need for that but it's very much a just like physically inactive game but it also in the game world just asks you to be active quote unquote in the form of sliding around which is just generally boring yeah uh, that was really the thing that struck me when i was thinking back on this game is as a puzzle game i think it's fine or even good but as a vr game it doesn't really do anything to justify me being in there sort of calling back to tie-dive like you know you sort of have to justify the fact that vr is tiring it's heavy on your head etc like 
you you got to do something to counteract that and make sure the player wants to be in there and shadow point didn't do anything to that degree it was like if this was a flat screen game where i was clicking and dragging items around a map through portals and stuff like it would be more compelling yeah i think from a mechanical standpoint i agree with you from an experiential standpoint i absolutely would only want this type of experience in vr uh just meaning like how we were gushing over the smoothness of the transportation and stuff like that like i wouldn't give that up (laughs) that's just too good too much fun you know yeah that's that's fair and like as confusing as it was i really liked the mechanic of teleporting you onto different surfaces so there's sections Mm -hmm. of the game where you're walking through these magical doorways but some of the doorways lead onto the wall of the room that you just came from stuff like that so and so now gravity's you know sideways sideways. when you look up you see the you know ceiling (laughs) or the 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 floor of the room whatever and it's that like perspective confusion is amazing the gravity is also an additional component like the gravity is the next step up from that like they teach you the whole walking on walls walking on the ceiling thing first and then i think it's like the next level or two levels after it starts to become gravity is now a factor because there are hanging lanterns that you need to utilize to like get perspective right there's hanging lanterns that uh when you move through a portal holding them they reorient to the new gravity but if you just if you leave them hanging on a hook go through the portal and then grab them again they maintain their gravity direction so there's a lot of like head tilting like okay i need it i need this lantern to point this way so i need to be on that surface hang it and somehow get it here but uh, yeah and that's yeah that's where the game got most mind bending for me i think like yeah i i remember just being trapped in that small house and walking on all the walls with with their lanterns and you know i always have to go for the side content like the additional bonus stars whatever and i saw this like this there's this one side puzzle that was like just tucked off in the room that is connected to the very first room of that whole level so i just had it like teasing me the entire time and that took me so long to play man to like or or rather like solve and speaking of tie-dye that led to me basically just like turning off the headset throwing everything down and taking a rest (laughs) like after that puzzle was done because i was already tiring from the just constant like gravity switches and what have you but man when you get stuck on a puzzle or just stuck anywhere like we've talked about before like the inertia um i think we might have brought it up with lone echo at some point but like shit when you're just like looking around and just like oh how does this go together it kills everything and that's not to say make your puzzles easy but there's got to be some sort of like interesting solve there in the middle ground right like is there something the player can do to kind of busy themselves and avoid this inertia while ultimately working on the larger puzzle that may be blocking them i'm not sure well if we're talking about puzzle design you know, I think they're, to a certain degree, allowing the player to just fiddle around with things and try to figure out solutions through experimentation is totally valid. And the fact that this game requires so much just moving place to place in order to try anything discourages that, right? So, like, adding so much friction to just trying out an idea means now you're just standing there trying to think in your head, like, okay, what do I do here? Because you can't really try anything out. Yeah. All right, 
there's one more mechanic that I feel like, well, there's a couple more mechanics that we haven't really talked about, but the one I want to dig into is the alternate worlds hula hoop. Thing. Yes. So they did a couple of these different things, right? There was. Mm-hmm. So when we say these different things, what I'm saying is like there are different see through glasses. I don't know what we want to call that looking glasses, whatever that like let you see into the mirror dimension or maybe that might not be the right word because we'll get into the mirror dimension later but there's like a an opposite world that is in your level and i and i'm pretty sure uh there was like a magnifying glass that would show objects from the opposite world and the hula hoop which let you like once you like put it over your body it would fully take you to either world right Right. So it starts off simple with a yeah sort of magnifying glass, but instead of magnifying things, it switches an object between two variants. Mm-hmm. Usually one is fantastical and one is ordinary. So it'll turn a compass into an astrolabe or like a ruler into a wrench, right? Like sort of right. ordinary object into fantastical object. And you can use that to switch objects so you can get different shapes of shadows which you need for the puzzles and then it presses that concept further with mirrors in the level where when you you can like throw objects through the mirror in and so now your mirror self is throwing the other version of the object at you very confusingly so you can trade objects between your world and the mirror world and often the mirror world either Things are broken down there or things are broken down in your world and things aren't broken down in the mirror world. You know, it's like two versions of the same environment. Uh, And then they press further with that of allowing you to go through portals to that world and take objects with you. Um, And when you take objects with you, they don't change. But if you leave them there, they do change when you go back to the same spot. And then they push it even further with this sort of hula hoop object that you can both look through and put yourself through and put objects through in various combinations. So you can sort of get all the different versions of transforming the environment or transforming objects or both or neither. And they just play with that in pretty much every conceivable way to create a bunch of puzzles. I really liked that. Like there's so many kind of like just little things that is like, I don't know if it's optical illusion or what, but this game just really nails that. Like that's what this experience is all about. The moment of like seeing this ruler and being like, oh, I don't really know what that's for. And you're just scanning around with your looking glass and suddenly that ruler looks like a wrench and you're like, wait, what? And then you like move the glass out of the way and it is a wrench, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of, you have to put the looking glass back over the turn to a ruler, but that's one of those little moments that makes the world feel either surreal or magical like how you mentioned when you look away from something maybe it'll disappear or move elsewhere you're talking about the sort of scripted moments where you look away and then things disappear or appear yeah that's like the return mechanic in a couple of points where you reach down to grab something out of a fountain and when you reach back up you're in a different space um and they do that later with you're talking to a character she's like yeah just go away and like you look away and when you look back she's gone and that's sort of like things changing in the edge of your vision is is pretty cool as well yeah you know that now that i'm now that i'm thinking about it i think 
part of the reason the hula hoop was so interesting was because it was so easy to play with it. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to the point of you have to move around a lot in order to play with the gravity puzzles. With the hula hoop, it's just in your hand and you can like wave it around in front of your face and quickly do all of these things. Yeah, it meant also like less traveling, I suppose, because mm -hmm. now you have the same amount of real estate and the level designer can now place puzzle critical items within the same, say, square footage of the puzzle itself rather than saying oh i just have this whole level i got to stretch it out or i got to like stack it on top of itself so that the player can grab this key item and this that and the third you can just now say okay i have the same square footage of level it exists within the same xyz coordinates and now the puzzle solve is in room a i'm gonna put all the special components in room a but in the in the upside down version of that right so now the player doesn't have to continuously be walking back and forth back and forth they can now be walking maybe like a little bit walking within like a single room but they're doing the hula hoop to cover twice the amount of like moving they can just hula hoop instead right there was a whole level that was um in one version of the world the lamps are on but you can't m move them and in the other version of the world, you can move them, but there's a bunch of things in the way blocking the light. And so you got to, you know, switch worlds, adjust the lantern, switch back, do something with what's been altered. You know, there are these crystals that can activate in the light and do things, open up new controls or whatever. And so you're sort of dancing back and forth between the obscured world and the broken down but unobscured world, which... They could have, honestly, they could have cranked that up a whole nother degree in terms of compressing these spaces and reducing the amount you have to walk. I guess if I, if I had to sum it all up in like one thought, it would be that it's a good puzzle game and it has some really interesting VR moments that, you know, really play into the fact that you're in the space. But it could be a much better VR puzzle game. I think the, yeah. the actual experience of playing the game is not as impactful as it could be. And all it would take really is just shrinking down these environments, changing the focus of what you have to do for the puzzles, making it less about exact positioning, making it more about configurations of these objects and like fiddling with that. Like it's, it's so close to being something you just want to rush through. But instead, it's something that you have to drag yourself through. Yeah, I agree. Shadow Point is totally worth its price. And it gives a good, fun experience, albeit one that might stay a little too long or make you tired through its puzzles. But it's an experience worth having. And those moments of the smooth transitions and just optical-centric play within that universe i think is just great and definitely worth the ticket to that destination hey there if you liked this episode of head mounted destinations the best thing you can do is share it with a friend word of mouth really helps us out if you want to get notified about new episodes the moment they come out, go to headmountedpodcast.com and sign up for our email list. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or watch it on YouTube, where we put gameplay footage alongside some of the points we're making throughout the episode. 
If you'd like to discuss this episode or suggest future topics, visit our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash headmountedpodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you at the next Headmounted Destination.